This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we're based here in the UK, all times are in BST. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 26th of June to the 2nd of July. I'm Ezzy Pearson and I'm joined this week by Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzy. So, Paul, tell us what we've got coming up in the next week. Well, we've been following the antics of Venus and Mars for quite a while, and it does seem a long time, doesn't it? It literally has been months and months and months. Mm -hmm. But um, the current session is now beginning to get towards the end, um, and especially over the next month into July, we see Venus begin to drop away down towards the horizon quite quickly. So we start off then with our famous duo of Venus and Mars. They're performing an astronomical ballet, aren't they? They, they? they seem to be trying to catch up with each other, but Venus, you know, is not making it. It can't quite catch Mars. And in this apparition, it doesn't. It won't catch up with Mars at all. Um, look over around about 10.30 in the evening. Uh, Venus is the one that you'll, you spot straight away. It's the brilliant star, very low down in the west uh, northwest. So you can't miss that sort of thing around about 10.30 onwards. Um, the skies are light. We're just past the summer solstice, of course. So this is the time when a lot of deep sky observers basically, um, they just stop. <laughs> sort of thing. Although actually there is some, it's surprising what you can do. And nowadays with narrowband imaging, you know, it's amazing what you can capture still. So uh, perhaps we're going to see the end of that, but visual observing, there, there aren't many objects. I always like double stars and things like that. And, and the glow 
globular clusters and the open clusters aren't too bad, but anything nebulous or diffuse mm. or small like galaxies, they're, they're the ones that struggle a little bit. But we're staying with the planets because we're lucky enough we've still got these two planets, Venus and Mars. Mars is to the left of Venus, slightly above it, and but they are going to drop down over the coming week. They're going to get lower and lower in the evening sky as they start to drop into the solar glare. But we'll we'll keep them for a while. But you know their their period of observing is now drawing to a close uh, in the evening sky. Now at the moment. Regulus, which is the brightest star of Leo, the lion, it's to their left. So over the course of the week, they will actually gradually get closer to Regulus itself. So uh, on the 2nd, when we get to the end of the month, the 2nd of July, it's almost like Mars is forming the apex of a nice even triangle. It's just slightly off. We'll have to wait till the following week for them to be in lineup. So they're the evening planets to keep looking out for. And they have been entertaining us for quite a while, haven't they? So, you know, we, we've got our money's worth out of them, as you might say. Absolutely. Now, when we move on to the next night, we've got sort of like, well, we start the 26th and 27th. We can't ignore the moon. I mean, <laughs> the moon, the moon is the one thing that's always easily observable by everybody. Um, you, you don't have to confuse it with anything. At least Venus, you can confuse it with a very bright star, although I have to say Venus is really bright, but the moon, you can't mistake it. And on the 26th and the 27th, it's in the southwest and it actually lies on the 26th next to the double star Porimer. And these are regular events because the Porimer is quite close to the current uh, movement of the moon in mm. its orbit, in its current Sarus at the moment, then uh, its cycle means that we constantly see it going past Porima. Um, I remember times when sort of like the, the moon was going really close to the Pleiades and then we lose that for a few years and then gradually it creeps back up again. And we're having that with Porima and Speaker or Spicer, depending on how you want to pronounce it. So on the 26th, it's uh, to the lower left of Parma, and it's below it. So, you know, it, it's an interesting contrast because the path of the moon then takes it above speaker. So actually on the 27th, it's directly above that star, which is, of course, the brightest star of Virgo itself. Again, you want to be looking towards the southwest around about 10.30, but the skies will be light. But <laughs> you're not be able to mistake the moon. If you if you miss the moon, <laughs> it must it must be cloudy. Yes. <laughs> or or quite low mist, because that's uh, one of the problems we sometimes get, especially where I am on, on the east coast. You know, we get a lot of sort of like cloud drifting. It may have a glorious day, we've had, had some glorious, but then the cloud drifts in from the North Sea and the rest of the country has wonderful views of the sky. And I'm there jumping up and down in my back garden with the cloud over me, going, No, <laughs> not again. It is unfortunately sometimes it can be very localized exactly where the, the good weather is. But that's sometimes why you just have to get out there and, and try and observe somewhere different for a while. Yes, if you can travel, it helps, doesn't it? Mm. Also, it's because we quite often talk about sometimes the moon is closer when it's full or it's further away when it's full. Um, that's when people talk about supermoons. That's when, you know, the moon is full when it's in a slightly closer bit of its orbit. But people don't, I don't tend to think too much about the fact that it does sort of its inclination changes as well. It's like its position on the night sky actually sort of drifts up and down as well. Um, so I think that one's a fascinating one to watch, possibly over slightly a longer long time scales. <laughs> Yes, it's a, it's a really long-term project. I've been doing this long enough now to, to have seen it change quite a lot. Mm. <laughs> we won't go any further into that. <laughs> oh, dear. Back to Venus and Mars. You might think, hang on, we, we've, haven't we had enough of Venus and Mars? 
Well, I make them closest on the 30th of June, um, looking at about 11 o'clock at night when it's a bit darker, so Mars is a bit easy to see, but do it before they set. And the separation between Venus and Mars, as I say, it's at its closest for this particular apparition. It's about three degrees and 33 arc minutes. And after that, it starts to get bigger again, the gap between the two planets. Mm. So this is their closest approach. It's not a conjunction in the normal sense. Uh, if we were really strict, a lot of conjunctions people describe as conjunctions don't happen yeah because a, a true conjunction should really in right ascension we also use declination but we tend to sort of tend to use also when they're close to each other yes so uh <laughs> i think the strict definition of a conjunction is when two uh, planets or, or bodies have the same right ascension as each other um yeah. and are close in declination as well I'm not entirely sure what the sort of limit on the declination is. I think that one's a bit more wafty. It's just like, they're close. But yes. it's the it's the right ascension is the one that's sort of to be officially a conjunction that needs to be the same. But it makes no difference to us amateur astronomers. Mm -hmm. we, we, we seem to just use it willy-nilly and just say, oh, they're in close conjunction tonight. Yeah, it has sort of <laughs> come to be, but the sort of more colloquial term is, is yes. just, <laughs> these two objects have made their closest approach um, and it's closest close enough that, it's deemed significant. But still, it's still, you know, they're still pretty close to each other. What was it? 3.6 degrees, did you say? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's quite a few moons you could get between there, sort of thing. I would make it sort of like 12, 13 moons. Oh, that could be unlucky, couldn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, we're not superstitious, are we, Ezzy? <laughs> so there we are. It's quite close. And then after this, Venus is beginning sort of then to, to drop lower and the separation increases again after that. Although, of course, they're slowly both will begin to drop back into the solar twilight the solar glare so i say we, we are coming to the end of them now on the 30th that same night we look towards the south and the moon we're, the, it's going to be a few days yet in fact it's next week when it's actually full but it's getting thicker in the phase and so we look towards uh, the south and there's the moon but it's in scorpius and uh, I'm, I'm one of, I've got my horizon to the south. It's not particularly got a lot of bushes and shrubs in the neighbour's garden. But uh, last night I was just able to see Antares. So it means that when this comes round, I should just about see the moon in Scorpius to the upper right of Antares. And I did actually manage to photograph them in early June when they were within about a degree of each other. So I was quite pleased, although you had to do two different pictures because the moon is so bright compared with Antares, mm -hmm. you have to do a composite. So uh, there we are. So the last night of June sort of thing is when the moon is in Scorpius and it'll be to the right of Antares. And then the next evening, July the 1st, the moon will be to the left of Antares. Now, it'd be interesting to see whether people notice. Use binoculars and see whether you notice the colour of Antares. It's a nice, a ruddy orange colour sort of thing, but it does, and it will, it will twinkle a lot because it's quite low. It doesn't get very high for us, unfortunately, uh, in the UK. And so uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a problem star in that respect. It's a bit like the, the messier objects, that M6 and M7 in Scorpius. You can see them from my latitude, but then they're only a degree or so or a half above the horizon. So of course you have then the horizon haze. 
sort of thing that can uh, mute the appearance. But at least Antares and the moon will be a bit higher. And then you can always use the moon to find Antares. <laughs> exactly. You know, if, if you can't miss them, if you miss the moon, I say you've, you've got you've got problems. So, uh, you know, so there we are. Because you did mention there that you can make composite pictures of the moon, even though the moon is usually too bright that if you're photographing the moon, everything else will be too dim and vice versa. The moon will be blown out if you're focusing on everything else. But there are lots of ways that you can compensate for that and get around it um, if you are aiming to do some astrophotography when the full moon is up. Uh, we have lots of guides for that over on our website. I will put a link down for that in the show notes as well if anybody is interested in learning more about how to go about doing that. Well, let's round off this week with the morning sky. We spent a lot of time in the evening sky, haven't we? But yes, we mustn't forget, we've actually got all four giant planets in the morning sky, starting with Saturn. We're, we're looking at about 3 a.m. at the moment. It will be quite light, and after that, it gets even lighter. So 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning. But I say 3 a.m. because by then, Uranus is up. Uranus is the one closest to the, the uh, twilight. So it's, it's only just emerging out of the solar glare. So we've got Saturn in the southeast and Neptune in roughly the south southeast and then you've got Jupiter. now obviously neptune you'll need binoculars or a small telescope because you won't see that with the naked eye but saturn and jupiter will definitely be naked eye planets to observe and then you've got uranus to say emerging out of the solar there jupiter and uranus are so east to east northeast so right about 3 a.m but if you leave it later than that the sky will be quite light and this time of year sort of thing, they are quite light nights anyway, no matter what you do. But it's worth that picking out. And you've got, I just find it interesting. We've got this parade of four, the four giant planets are all visible in the morning sky at the moment. So there we are. We could end the week with the giant planets. Mm. They might be a bit trickier to spot than Venus and Mars, which are you know, almost very bright in the night sky comparative to some of these. But uh, Jupiter's quite bright. Um, and Saturn, I think, at the same time, is also reasonably bright so it's neptune and uranus which might be a bit more of a challenge and of course with jupiter and uranus they're quite low down at the moment mm. um i have the handicap of this uh, shrub filled bank to hide us from the industrial estate which unfortunately stops me seeing the planets until they get roughly towards the south unless they're very high up the ecliptic well of course the ecliptic is quite low at the moment sort of thing we've got sagittarius in the south so it's the lowest point of the ecliptic but it means at the moment for me i i haven't yet seen saturn and or neptune or even jupiter emerge sort of thing so uh, you know it's a it's a it's a struggle for me but you do need an uncluttered horizon it's it's well worth it if, again if you've got a chance and the day off the next day you're not working uh, pop off find a little observing site sort of thing if you want to see the mini parade of the planets isn't it mm, just a mini one <laughs> and you started hey if you think about it if you start off in the evening you've got mars and venus and then early morning just before uh, it turns too bright you've got uh, four more planets you've got six of the planets and seven if you count the earth mm, yeah. <laughs> mustn't forget the earth if you can't see the earth worry it's just my mercury <laughs> that's hiding at the moment it is but not for long <laughs> not for long but thank you very much for taking us through this week's highlights paul my pleasure so, to summarise those again, on the 26th to the 27th of July, the moon will be moving across the sky, passing below Porima and then above Speaker, and that's probably best viewed at around 10.30pm. On the 30th of June, Mars and Venus are going to make their closest approach of the year, uh, 3.6 degrees apart from each other they'll get. Uh, after this point, Venus and Mars will begin dropping out of the sky, so it's a good opportunity to catch those before they start disappearing. 
On the 30th of June and the 1st of July, the moon is going to be close to Antares in the upper right of Scorpius. And throughout the week, you can catch all four of the giant planets in the morning sky. Uranus will rise from about 3am. So if you want to catch all four of them, that is when you'll need to start looking. So thank you very much from all of us for listening. And to keep up to date with the latest stargazing highlights, do be sure to subscribe to the Star Diary podcast. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 